Welcome to the Real Estate Woman's Podcast. Thanks for pulling up a chair to our roundtable discussion. Here, we'll teach you how you can create a stream of passive income through multifamily investing, and we'll help you to shift your mindset so you can start living the life you really want to be living by design today. Hello, guys. We are the Real Estate Women. I'm Tamara. I'm Crystal. I'm Candy. And I'm Colleen, and welcome to the Passive Investing Podcast. In today's episode, we will be talking about how investing in multifamily real estate can be for everyone, whether you take an active or a passive role in investing, or maybe even both. Ed Modzell is here with us today to help shed some light on the pros and cons and differences of both active and passive investing. Yes. So Ed, um, you know, he's really, there's no better option for that. And some, a little bit more about Ed. He is a commercial real estate entrepreneur specializing in multifamily real estate syndications. He served in the U.S. Navy for six years. So thank you, Ed, for your service. We appreciate that very much. Um, but you did, he spent most of his life as the chief engineer of a 10-time Emmy award-winning TV show in New York and retired from all of that in 2015. Uh, now he's pretty a general partner and key principal on a 130 $37 million multifamily real estate portfolio all across the Southeast, Midwest, and Texas. Um, and Ed also does run a real estate, uh, he is a real estate coach. He hosts a meetup and has an awesome local meetup as well. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining us, Ed. We appreciate you coming here to share some of your wisdom and experience with us. <laughs> thanks for asking me. Yeah. So uh, if you want, we'll kind of roll right into it. Um, so you retired from your W-2 in 2015, right? Um, yes. So what what was it that kind of made you get into real estate investing? Did you start that while you were working or did that kind of start after? Yeah, I did it part time uh, over the years, over many years. Uh, I got into it in uh, 1980 with a five family. And then I I went the wrong direction, I like to say. I went five, three, two, one, and did a lot of ones. And did that for like 35 years. Uh, you know, I did everything about it. And uh, as the family grew and the job grew and things uh, kind of took over, uh, you know, it had some ebbs and flows and, you know, highs and lows. And uh, so I did that. You know, I had probably maybe 20 different tenants did that over the years and then in 2015 i said uh you know i just uh, turned 60 and i said uh you know i don't have enough money to really retire comfortably in the united states maybe in some third world country but uh, i'd rather do it here and uh so i said mm, i'm gonna i'm gonna get back into real estate but full time you know and that's what i did okay Nice. Nice. So you really started a lot more full force after you retired, which is that that's awesome. That's good to know. You know, I, I feel like a lot of people um, that I spoke to, at least they feel like, oh, man, um, this age, I have a family. You know, I don't have time. I'm stuck in this job. I'm stuck doing that. They, you know, I think it's really a good to mention that there's, there's no point in your life. That's like a good time to start. You can really start at any time that's right for you. So uh, that, that that's funny. You, so you started you quit one job and start in another. So did you start mostly? Yeah, that's exactly uh, what I did. Uh, so, you know, in the television business, uh, um, I really enjoyed my job. I loved it. I mean, I yeah. got to meet like a lot of really interesting people, uh, 
you know, because I worked for, you know, uh, VH1 and MTV. And, and so it, it was a blast. Uh, so when I left, you know, the I got into house flipping, which I never really did house flipping. I did kind of just like I'd renovate and I guess kind of the burr method without the last R. <laughs> I never actually refinanced them. But uh, so I, I did flipping and I live on Long Island, New York, and it's uh, very competitive. Uh, prices are much higher than other places. And uh, these are all my excuses, of course. Uh, I only did like five houses in uh, a year and three quarters. And I went from this very cool job that I love to, you know, I liked the house flipping at first, but the novelty wore off real quick when you're at Home Depot for the fifth time in the same day, picking up supplies for your contractors and, and whatnot. Now, I know you could do it better than that. Um, but during that time, I, you know, we go to the local RIAs and such like that. And I, and I found out about multifamily and you would think I would know about that from being in the business for like 35 years or whatever. And, uh, but you know, me, like everybody else, I think out there, uh, my mindset was that I can't buy a, you know, a 200 unit apartment. That's for big companies, you know, that do that. Uh, until I found out, you know, how you do it. And so I got involved, um, you know, during that time in two limited partnerships. And then I got the bug and, and I said to my wife, uh, you know, I'm going to get into this uh, actively full time. And that's what I did. I made a transition, a hard transition, never did another single family. And that was over five years ago. And um, I'm now entering, uh, I'm now, you know, like raising capital for my 25th syndication. Wow. That's awesome. I got a lot of time to make up for, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're on a roll. That's a lot. That's averages to five a year in five years. That's, that's awesome. So, so Ed, you said you went five, four, three, two, one when you started getting into it and, and then you went to meet up. So can you describe why did you go in that direction? And then obviously you learned more about multifamily. Can you, can you touch on how you did that pivot a little bit more? Um, okay. So, uh, I, you know, I did kind of like what I knew and that's, you know, you what you buy a, a duplex, a fourplex, a single, you know, you fix it up, you rent it out. Um, you know, I, I did the, the low hanging fruit or whatever you want to call it. So I did that, um, you know, for like 35 years part time and just kept doing it. And now the, the pivot, what is it that you're asking exactly? Well, when you said five, you you had to, you had to, there were five units in the building that you did. Oh then? yeah, the first the first property I bought was a five family five unit. Yeah. And what made you? Was it just because of pricing to buy the next one because you didn't refinance to buy? Is why you started to go down in the number of units? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, the five unit, uh, I didn't know it at the time, uh, but. There are, okay, so there are classes of properties. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Class A is like a brand new building with all the bells and whistles, gyms and, you know, uh, theaters and swimming pools and all that. Then you got B, you know, that's maybe 10 years older or 15 years older. Then you got C, you know, most of us invest in C and B properties. Uh, well, my first one was a D property as in dog. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, it was a little further away from where I lived. It was like an hour. And uh, so, yeah, it was cheaper and I got seller financing. So mm -hmm. uh, the next ones after that were closer to me uh, and they were, you know, more expensive. And we didn't, you know, so I was looking for a little better products. So I went with the other ones. And you, oh, it's all right. Go ahead. Just to add, except for the five family. Okay. Uh, the next one's. My wife and I did this for like seven years, the first seven years, we'd, we'd buy a house, move into it, kind of fix it up. Wow. Then we'd buy another house and then move wow. out of the first one, rent that one out and start doing it. You know, we did that seven times. And then nice. when we were in the seventh house, uh, which I'm in right now, because my wife said, that's it, we're not moving again. And yeah. we, we've been here since 1986. <laughs> <laughs> That, that definitely shows the difference, I'm sure. And now at that point, you're in this active investment and it's obviously a lot of work and time. And at yeah. that point, when you were doing that, you, you weren't aware yet of the passive investment opportunity, right? That was a little bit after you learned about that? Yeah, I became aware of you know the passive uh, investment opportunity, uh, you know, probably about seven years ago. But it took me two years to kind of warm up to it because at that time, okay, what I did was when I left my job, I had, you know, my wife and I had a couple 401ks and uh, actually we had like three of them and a couple IRAs. And we took all that money and this is a good thing for people I want to get into passive if you have that. We rolled all that into a self-directed IRA. Okay. Uh, in our case, it was a solo 401k that allows you to invest passively into real estate and uh, you don't pay any taxes until, you know, way down the road when you retire. And uh, so that's what I did. I left my job and uh, I had that, you know, solo 401k, which is self-directed IRA. And that's how I invest in my passive deals. And for the 401k, I just want to clarify, um, I don't have one, I'm not familiar, but I've heard on several podcasts that it, there has to be, it's very specific to be able to invest in real estate with a 401k. Is that correct? Okay. So uh, yeah, let me back up there. I had a, my wife and I had 401ks with our jobs. Okay. And then, you know, one, her 401k, uh, since we were okay and we had an old 401k and we had a couple iras and i had a sep account any kind of retirement accounts you can transfer into a self-directed ira however if you're currently in a job and you have a 401k most likely you cannot i could because i was over 59 and a half and then they would allow you mm -hmm. to do that 
great. Thank you for clarifying that. That's that's a good strategy. I'm just I don't know too much about that whole area, but my mother-in-law is super interested in starting to invest, and her nest egg is all held in her 401k. And this market's been really scaring her, so she's urging us like, how can you help me? And then like by her wanting to get her, uh, you know, her funds and her retirement out of her 401k, it's forcing me to help her and learn a little bit more about self-directed Roth IRAs, which is what you had said you did. So one day I'm going to have to pick your brain about that. But it seems like what I'm learning, it's a super powerful, powerful vehicle to, you know, take that nest egg from something that's kind of um, in a box, put it into that self-directed IRA. And that really breaks open the box for you. That really gives you the ability to do as you please with your money. So that's, that's really cool to know that that's kind of what got you started. I'll have to pass that info along, but um, it's really powerful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are you know various different custodians uh, companies that you know do that for you, and uh, you know it was like seven years ago. I took my, well, I, I took all my money out of the stock market because uh, it's just too, I, you know, I see it go up and down for crazy reasons and. Uh, uh, at least with real estate, I feel that's more, it, it, it changes at a slower pace. And, uh, you know, as long as you have rental income, uh, you're, you're, the price of your real estate can go up and down a little bit, but the, the income is pretty much going to stay the same. Now it is affected by things, uh, you know, in the economy and also like, uh, you know, during the, uh, COVID, uh, uh, pandemic, <clears throat> You know, uh, some people were not able to uh, pay their rents, but there was a lot of assistance out there, you know, gazillion dollars of assistance, which, uh, you know, helped us out. And yeah. Yeah, I think that is something, too, that's really interesting, like all the... um, With all that whole, obviously, COVID was crazy and scary and huge and most of that assistance, that money that was put out there was to help people with housing. You know, a lot of the businesses went down, a lot of that other stuff, but there was always that assistance there for housing. So um, that seemed to have really helped. So we're, you know, the more I know I experienced it with our properties, I'm sure you guys all did. And every, the more people we speak to, you know, we're really finding that, you know, that the worry of COVID really got balanced out because that government assistance focused on people staying in their homes. Everybody had to be home and all of that stuff. So... Yeah, and multifamily really was the only, you know, I think the only asset class that really benefited from that. I mean, office, as far as I know, I mean, I don't have any other asset classes, so I don't know for sure. But uh, we were the only ones that I think were, uh, you know, were able to capitalize on that. Yeah, we have personally, like my husband and I, we have some uh, retail, we have like salons, we have some just industrial stuff as well as residential real estate. And there was a few others that everybody did end up paying, but there was definitely big pauses of time where they just couldn't do it. And we're really fortunate that our portfolio was balanced out with more residential than just the other stuff. Because while we did get paid eventually, it was definitely like, I'll pay you when I can for a lot of the things. So yeah, it it was definitely scary, but it definitely catapulted us to multifamily has that sense of security that you don't appreciate until you see it. So did did I understand correctly that you, when you entered multifamily, you entered in as, as a limited partner or you were an active partner? Well, it happened very quickly. Um, Okay. So I even remember, funny how you remember the dates, but, <laughs> uh, on, yeah, on, 
it was July 22nd, I did my first limited partnership. And then July 28th, I did the second one. And oh, wow. when I said I did them, you know, I, I, I looked over all the materials. I did my research. I, you know, studied up on it. And then I wrote the check. And uh, I went to the guy's office locally here to write the check uh, for both of them. And I mean, I could have wired the money, but I just wrote the check and I wrote it, you know, on my my solo 401k, my self-directed IRA. I have uh, I have checkbook control so I could write the check. And then on the way home, I remember turning to my wife and saying, uh, I'm going to be getting into this actively, you know, I'm going to pursue this. Mm -hmm. And I had just finished a big uh, flip, had nothing on the horizon. And I just got into the multifamily. I said, I knew the first thing I need to know, even though I've been in real estate for at that time, right? uh, 37 years, I uh, knew what I didn't know. And there was a lot of gaps I had to fill in with multifamily. So I did a lot of self-study. I went through three different programs, rapid fire. And, uh, you know, I really got the information down. I, I would go to like five meetups back then we weren't doing zoom. It was in person. So I went all around the New York area to, uh, meetups and I just started, you know, networking like crazy and, uh, you know, really learning and absorbing as much as I possibly could. Fortunately, the person that I invested with in those first two properties was um, a wealth of knowledge. He had been a commercial real estate broker. His partner was a uh, same thing. Uh, So he was from Marcus and Millichip chap. His uh, partner was from Cushman Wakefield. Together, they formed this company. And um, so anytime I had questions, uh, I would just text them. You know, uh, I wouldn't text them every day. You know, I would text various people. But if I ever had a question, I knew who I could get the answer from. And uh, so they were very helpful and as well as many other people helped me along the way. And so that's what I do in in. Uh, in kind now with other people, you know, you, you get help from people above you and you help people, you know, coming up. <laughs> Hang it forward. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's what it's all about. So, uh, Ed, can you tell us about the first deal you did as an active investor then? Uh, sure. So, you know, what I did is, uh, you know, like I said, July 28th is the day I guess I started, you know, and, <laughs> Um, I picked, um, uh, I picked a market cause I'm from New York and, you know, New York is not the greatest market for multifamily. Uh, um, so I picked Atlanta and when I say it's not the greatest market, let me just give you one reason why it's not the greatest market or two reasons. One is it's not landlord friendly. I mean, you could take a year or two years to get a tenant out. And if, and if you're smart, you'll pay them and to get out cash for keys, they call it. And, and I don't mean a couple hundred dollars. I mean like tens of thousands of dollars to get somebody out if you want to get them out quickly, because they all know, 
Yeah. Uh, secondly, so the first property I got was a 40 unit in Atlanta. And the taxes on that 40 unit were the same as the taxes on my home. And I don't live in a, a mansion. Okay. I live in a regular house. <laughs> um, so I, uh, you know, my first deal was a 40 unit and, you know, it's funny. Uh, okay. I believe in uh, goal setting and visualization and mindset and all that. And some people call it uh, hokey pokey or whatever. I don't know. Uh, uh, I believe in it. So I set goals and I refine my goals like all the time. And my goals for that year were to buy a 40 unit. And that's exactly what I bought. And I said, Beautiful. dang, I should have made it 140 units. <laughs> you know? yep. Um, yep. So, yeah, it was a 40 unit that I bought in Atlanta. And, you know, we... My wife and I, I do not recommend this to anybody out there. So don't do like I did here. But we moved down to the property and lived there for the duration of 17 months. Luckily, it was only 17 months. You know, we, (laughs) we, (laughs) the plan was only nine months and then we were going to turn it over. Uh, but we had problems with property managers. We had to fire two of them. And then by that time, we already, the market was, you know, going great. And we we doubled the price and we decided to sell. And it took like five months for it to close. But we didn't care because we were cash flow by this time. And, and then we, um, you know, then we sold and we came home. <laughs> <laughs> but while I was there, I got into a bunch of other deals uh, from there. As passive or active, the other deals? Active, about. active. I did. Okay, so when I went down to Atlanta, uh, the way I did that um, was I said I picked Atlanta as my market. Never been there. Uh, well, maybe I flew through there. It is a Air, you know, it is a major yeah. hub, so I may have flown through there, but never been there, never set my foot outside the airport if I was at the airport. Uh, but I picked it because I looked on a map and I said, Yeah, this is right in the area where I want to be. And, uh, you know, I did some research and, um, you know, we picked Atlanta. So I would, uh, so I called like all the brokers in Atlanta, started talking to them and, um, you know, telling them what my search criteria was. Uh, and I told them I'm going to be down there next time. I said, next time, you know, like to kind of give them the impression that I come down there every so often, you know, yeah. and I wasn't lying. Cause I think I did go through the airport. And so I did this a month ahead of time and I set up appointments for, uh, you know, and then I solidified all the appointments the week before we were going down there. My wife and I went down there for five days, Monday through Friday. And we visited, we, we met with 11 different people, uh, uh, breakfast and lunch. One day we had two lunches. Um, and I, and that's where I met my attorney that I still use. Nice. And, we were going to do a deal together. I, I met him more as an investor than a, an attorney, but uh, 
So I met him and I met a property manager that was really helpful to me uh, by every property I looked down there. I would text him and, and he would give me like a whole paragraph in text about that area and everything else because he was a third generation <clears throat> multifamily investor and property wow. manager. And, um, and I did do a limited partnership with him just to reciprocate all his uh, help to me. So I did do th uh, that one, you know, in December of that year. Um, so I did have three limited partnerships before I did my first, um, you know, general partnership. Nice. That definitely is a, you got a lot of sweat equity in that first one, that those 17 months sitting there. Oh yeah. <laughs> I learned a, a lot. I learned a lot. That's a, must have been a lot. Of, that's a lot of commitment, a lot of things. A lot of people probably wish they had the flexibility to go do to purchase that 40 unit. But that's awesome. I'm glad it turned around so quickly for you. And, you know, it's funny because in the meantime, you know, you're doing this active investment, making a lot of money, um, but you're also seeing your passive investment still paying you at the same time. Right. So that was a that must have been really cool to see. The difference like it's a lot of work but it's paying off more but you still have your active investing kind of that mailbox money right just coming in while you're doing other stuff yeah yeah i mean if i am i'm at the point now i mean hey i'd much rather just be a passive investor you know okay um tell you the truth i mean i do like the multifamily business uh i i, I love it so i keep doing it uh but you know I wouldn't mind just being a passive investor and I'm probably almost at that point where I could do that, but I'm going to give it a few more years and then decide. <laughs> yeah. So building on so, that mentality, like to tell our listeners, like, like what should they look for? Because it's like coming from you, you've been so active and hands-on. I mean, even living in the property, what, you know, what do you think are like the top three things a passive investor that's maybe never invested in multifamily should look for? Okay, so, well, let me just say something right before that little lead up to that. And that is, what is passive investing? And the answer may be obvious, but I think not quite obvious enough. Um, I agree with people, that. I think people think that mm -hmm. if they buy a single family house or a fourplex or whatever, and they think that's passive investment, it's mm -hmm. not because there's work that goes into that. You know, you have to find the house, you have to, you know, you have to close on it. Maybe you got to fix it up a little. You got to get a property manager. You got to oversee the property manager. Who knows? Maybe you even have to go over there and do some work on it yourself. And maybe the first time you do that, it's kind of fun and, you know, a novelty, but that's not passive investing. Passive investing <laughs> is, is mailbox money. It's like, uh, uh, you don't have to do anything. You um, you make your investment. Uh, it's uh, you know it's all governed by the SEC. Uh, uh, there's all kinds of you know checks and balances there. You you put your money in there. They uh, 
All right. So that's, that's passive investing. Uh, Thank you so, for clarifying that. That was a very good explanation <laughs> of the difference. I appreciate that. I'm sure our listeners will too. Now, um, now what should people do if they want to do passive investing? Well, <clears throat> um, I know one guy that, that did it really um, a good way. Uh, three, three years ago, or three years ago, I went to a uh, kind of a real estate meetup in Aruba. Uh, and it was a lot of multifamily people there. Uh, it was pretty much all multifamily people there. And I met this one guy, and he was a professional poker player. When I say professional poker player, I said, uh, you know, what's the biggest hand you ever had, you know? And he right. said, $800,000. I said, wow, oh, you know? Awesome. And crazy. then I said, you know, are you doing multifamily or why are you here? Or, you know, he goes, oh, you know, uh, no, I'm a passive investor. I'm just looking for sponsors and, you know, operators. And, and uh, so the first point is, don't just invest with anybody. <laughs> you really got to do your due diligence. And I even recommend that you, you learn how to evaluate properties. Uh, you learn how to underwrite properties yourself and don't rely on somebody, you know, just telling you how it all works, have a good knowledge of it. And that's one thing. If you're going to invest with <clears throat> passively, uh, do some due diligence on the sponsor, on the operator. How long have they been in business? Um, you know, how many properties they have? Where do they live? Where are their properties? What size mm -hmm. properties? Are they A class? Are they D class? Um, you know, how often do you give uh, distributions? Are they short-term? Are they long-term? Um, you know, as this is kind of a debate right now, um, short-term, long-term for, for active people like myself, it's better for us to do short-term because we get paid, uh, if we sell the property sooner or if we, you know, like that, but as a passive investor, I want to stay in a little bit longer. I want to stay in, you know, I want to stay in like 10 years. I want to, I want to refinance that property, get all my money back or a good portion of it. That's a non-taxable event because you put a hundred thousand or 50,000 in and you get 50,000 back. You don't pay taxes on that, right? You could take that 50,000. Okay, so you're still in the property for five more years right. and your interest rate now is kind of infinite, you know, mm -hmm. because uh, you're still going to get a return based on your ownership. And um, you could take that 50,000 and put it into the next property. And so now you got two properties working on that same 50,000. And, you know, every couple of years or five years, you could do that again. That's uh, magic. Those are, those are some things to look out for. Uh, being a part of any kind of group like this, you know, where there are people there that you can, that are going to have your interest at heart. So if you're thinking about 
you know, I, I tell all my students and anybody I know, hey, if you're going to be making an investment with somebody and you don't know them, you know, uh, come and talk to me. I'll tell you what to ask, what to look for, things like that, you know. That's that's important. And I would love to just reiterate one thing that you said that I think was a big thing that like when I first learned about the multifamily investing passively, it seemed amazing to me. The fact that you invest that money, well, you could have 90 to 100% of that returned. But like you said, you're still in the deal and your return becomes infinite. So you're still getting, it's obviously a, probably a smaller amount of cash flow, but you've got your, you got your investment back. You turn it into something else, but you're still getting this mailbox money coming in until they sell that property. So that is a, I think that's just such a cool, cool thing to happen because not only are you getting your money back too, you've also gained income along the way. So you've made money on your money. You get your money back and then you still make money on that money, even though you've reinvested it. It's just such an amazing thing that like, it was such an eye opener for me. And, you know, I know for all of us, it's part of the reason people don't really know and don't hear about. And that's why we wanted to start a podcast like this for people to kind of understand the power and behind it and, and know, learn how to do it safely too, as safe as possible. <laughs> One of the things about um, here uh, that I just want to touch on about passive investing as well is that there, to me, when I hear that and hear the descriptions that you just gave, the you know active investing is actually you're in the deal. You're actually do, you're working with the property management. You're actually actively at work in the property, making it you know making sure it performs and the people that you've hired to do this do their jobs. Yet passive, you're still you're you're not doing that work, but there is an active part that you do have to be responsible, which educating yourself. So in a sense, when, when I think about the definition of passive, it's only when the money, once you've done your due diligence and really have investigated everything that you just got before, the sponsor, the deal, understanding the numbers and how they all work, that part is the responsibility of the investor. So that you do have to be active and accountable to yourself on your choices. With that being said, um, so there's the difference between passive investing and active is that once you do that work and you've made that decision, then you can kind of kick back and, and check in. Basically it's just, you know, checking in and being a part of the property management when they come to you, not the property management, but the, the, the people that run the property, when the you know, operators come to you and say, okay, we're going to have a, a webinar or we're going to send you out, you know, your quarterly, uh, uh, update on the property. That's about as active as you get at that point. Yep. Yep. Beautiful thing. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Love it. Um, in regards to being in the, where you are now, Ed, in, in the multifamily and thinking about the transitioning <laughs> the passive, if someone had a W2 job, um, and maybe not able to, and maybe doesn't want to leave that. How would you suggest them connecting more to find out more about it? If it, you know, sometimes the W two jobs. I know that Zoom is making things uh, much more available, but how would you suggest people finding out more about um, deals themselves? Uh, as far as passive investment, yes, yes. Probably to um, 
become part of a community and, you know, networking with other people to see what's out there. Uh, go to an event. Uh, you know, there's several events out there uh, where uh, you can find about find out about, you know, uh, who the operators are. Uh, I mean, it's pretty easy to find out about the the real big operators. I mean, you could actually, um, you can even, you know, there's some websites that you could go on, but, you know, to find out about bigger operators like Grant Cardone, he's the yeah. first one that comes to mind. But uh, I like the idea of meeting people uh, in person. So I would go to an event, you know, and, um, you know, if you live in New York and you come by and it's the middle of the winter and you can find an event in Florida or something like that. <laughs> uh, and then you, you can know, just write that trip off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's so many different Facebook groups and 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 Zoom uh, weekly, monthly Zoom calls. Um, you just have to tap into that. And if if you want to get into it, I would say give yourself like six months, you know, um, you know, cup, you know, six months of doing, you know, investigative work, you know, because you worked hard for your money. You don't want to just plunk it down with the first person that, you know, you find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if somebody is in a large group, they're usually more accountable, sort of. <laughs> you know, not guaranteed, but um, you know, uh, they're less likely. I think. Uh, yeah, I don't. You know, watching. yeah, yeah. I mean, it is an SEC Security Exchange Commission control, and you know, for the most part, I think everybody's above board, but. You know, people take liberties and maybe mm -hmm. do some things that are a little shady and stuff like that. So you want to you want to connect with people that have a, a stellar record. And the best way to find anything, whether it's, you know, a handyman, a car, uh, um, a sponsor is referrals. OK, Um if I'm looking for a property manager, I'm going to get referrals. Somebody that, or an accountant, a doctor, anything in life. You know, it's best if you can get a referral from somebody uh, that says, yeah, I've done, this guy has done, or this gal has done good by me. You know, so uh, check them out, do your due diligence, but I've used them, I've worked with them and had a great experience. Wow. Thank you, Ed. Well, this has been fantastic. How can somebody reach out to you um, if they want to get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, the uh, uh, the best way is uh, go to my website and you can get all the information there. And that's uh, Gimme Shelter. I'll spell that. G-I-M-M-E Shelter Equity dot com. Yes, I'm a Rolling Stones fan, so that's where that came from. If you if, if you're old enough to know the Rolling Stones and that song, that's <laughs> they're, they're, awesome. They're still performing, aren't they? The Rolling Stones, or have they? Yeah, 
So yeah, well, I, the last time I saw them was uh, in Atlanta, November 12th, last year. Uh, right. And when I bought tickets, Charlie was still alive. When we went to see him, he was obviously had died. Uh, and I brought, uh, so it was me and my wife, we went there. And it was in Atlanta, so we're in New York. So, you know, I don't think they played in New York. <laughs> so we went to Atlanta, but I had properties there. And so I brought, uh, I, with me, I brought, um, you know, my, uh, my favorite broker and uh, also an investor, uh, you know, and we had like really good seats and everything. It was fun. Nice. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> There's nothing better than be able, being able to turn a work trip into to a play trip when you can combine oh, yeah. all of that that's that, that's awesome so fun. yeah i mean like my attorney that i mentioned that i met in atlanta on my first trip mm -hmm. uh he told me he says the the two biggest deals he ever did was on the golf course uh yeah. so yeah there's a lot to be said for that oh that's beautiful well, Ted, uh, I'm Ted, Ed, one of the things that we, um, what, what we like to do on this podcast is we have a provoking thought of the day. And we have a, uh, three cards that um, Tamara has that you pick one from three. Uh-oh. <laughs> Set you up. Uh, I'll take, uh, I don't know, uh, the one on my left. <laughs> This one? Sure. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's like, where's the camera at? Drum roll. You know? yeah. so, Speaking of drum roll. Yeah. 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 So the, the quote uh, that you picked today um, on the card is you create your opportunities by asking for them. And that quotes from Patty Hansen. That's a good one. That's a good one. You create your so opportunities. So we like to get asking. some feedback about like what that what bubbles up and what what you think of when you hear that. Oh yeah, well that definitely resonates with me because yeah. uh, if if there's something in life that you want, you got to go for it and uh, you know make a plan to get it. You know, uh, nobody's gonna hand it to you. And that's what it means to me. That's how it struck me. <laughs> well, just um, the things you shared with us today, which we really appreciate you coming on today, is that it, you you really did create a lot of opportunities by, you know, really asking, well, seeking out the people that knew the answers and asking them what was available and where, where to go and how to do things. Because, uh, you know, it sounds like you have a great relationship with the attorney you've mentioned a handful of times and it's how this business really comes together is by relationships and, and creating those opportunities. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like to think about too, and reflecting on what you were saying, how earlier that you said that you, you wanted to have a 40 unit. And then in hindsight, you realize you asked for a 40 unit and then you got it. And then you said, I should ask for 120 or whatever the number was. <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's, it's built to show, you know, I totally believe in the power of visual, visualization, despite whether it's in front of you now is planning your future, you know how to make those minor adjustments to reach those goals, whether they are baby steps or whether you just do a deep dive and just jump right into something. 
But um, so that that's how that quote resonates, and uh, I really see it reflected in this in the stories that you've told in your your adventures in multifamily and in real estate, and how that reflects in your life. Thank you very much for sharing that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I I think it's definitely a good one too to remind people too that you know because um, I'm a hundred percent I love the mindset piece visualization like I totally agree with all of that but there's one thing like you had your visualization you visualize your forty you, you wrote that down but you didn't just wait for like somebody to knock on your door and be like hey do you want to invest in a forty unit so you have I think that this off this. Uh, quote is great because it reminds you that putting everything out there is awesome and it's great and you have to have your mindset there, but nothing happens by chance and you always need to create that opportunities like you did. So you really had the whole package of you had that visualization, you put it out there into the universe, you said what you wanted, you said what you wanted, but you proactively put yourself out there and asked for it. So that's that's something I hope the viewers listen to and, and remember that putting it out there is awesome, but you still got to take the steps to bring it bring it into your life. So awesome quote. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I definitely agree. You have to have goals and you have to have things you ask for, things you want, you know, so that you you have something to pursue and to go after and to, and to get. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a good quote. Mm -hmm. But, uh, well, I guess we're running out of time for today, though, Ed. So uh, it was really good, though. We, we definitely enjoyed chatting with you about, you know, the differences between active and passive investing. And, you know, for some people, just passively investing may be the right option if they work another job or, you know, life is too busy and they can't devote the time and the effort that maybe you have into some of your properties. Uh, certainly I can't go live in another state, states away for months and, and work on something. So it's kind of crazy, but um, yeah. So we just want to say thank you, Ed, for being here and thank you to our guests for listening to us at the round table today and tune in for our next episode to get some more great info from our expert guests on all the things that you'd need to know uh, to passively invest in multifamily real estate. And uh, as always, you can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, watch us on YouTube, or visit our website at therealestatewomen.com. Thank you. Thank you, Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only. We are not licensed professionals and do not give investment advice, tax advice, or other professional advice. Please consult a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.